Victor. So glad that you've joined us today, and we're grateful for those of you who are online joining us as well for this Easter Sunday morning service. We want to uh, just give God the glory for uh, what he has done for us in accomplishing Uh, what he accomplished in the forgiveness of sins on the cross and then rising the third day. Uh, We're not sure. I was a little bit curious about where we got that saying, he is risen, he is risen indeed, that we say every Easter. And we go, where in the world did that come from? We know it came from the Bible, but I kind of got to looking it up uh, today just out of curiosity. And apparently it started with the Eastern Orthodox Church, and uh, they think, And uh, then it kind of went down from there, and they go, well, we think maybe Mary met with Tiberius, the the ruler of Rome, and she said, he is risen indeed, Uh, but we think really it came just from scripture, right? And so this morning I read from that scripture in in, uh, Luke chapter 24, Uh, you remember the story of when Jesus uh, met the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and so they drew near to the village to which they were going. And he acted as if, as if he were going to go farther. But they urge him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now spent. And so he went to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scripture? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathering together, saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. And they told what had happened on the road and how he he was known to them. Uh, in the breaking of the bread. Hallelujah. He is risen. We want to thank Norman and uh, Norm. Norman. (laughs) I call him Norman. We want to thank Norm and his team for uh, serving us uh, pancake breakfast this morning. Was that okay? It was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah. Even made some uh, gluten-free pancakes there, and those were pretty good too. And so we're, we're grateful uh, for them getting up early and uh, coming and, and preparing all that for us. We're so, so grateful. Um, the offering uh, today, uh, special offering, special Easter offering, you remember that we announced that. And uh, this morning, uh, half of that offering is going to be going uh, towards the church, and half of it is going to be going to uh, Camp Falcon Rock in Romania, and you remember a couple of weeks ago, we showed a video about that. If you didn't see it, uh, you can see it on the missions board. Uh, it's still up there, and uh, you can go out there and watch it again. But Camp Falcon Rock is in the process of building a, uh, a massive uh, center, kind of uh, the, the centerpiece of the camp, where they can uh, bring in uh, special speakers and have group meetings, and, and uh, also their new offices will be there. It's just a beautiful facility. Facility. So we're helping to support that. And they're also, uh, right now, they're taking in some refugees from Ukraine and uh, having quite a ministry there with uh, those, uh, those folks who are coming and uh, giving them some housing and helping them to transition. And so let's pray for Camp Falcon Rock and those who are laboring there. And uh, half of our offering today is going to go to support that ministry. 
Uh, on May the 29th, we're going to be holding another baptism and membership class. If you're interested in being baptized or becoming a member of the church, you're already baptized and you'd like to become a member or you'd like to be baptized and become a member, that's going to happen on May 29th. The two weeks before that will be our baptism and membership classes. So if you'd like to participate that in that, uh, please let me know, and uh, we'll, we'll get you signed up for that. Let's pray together, and then Kingdom Kids, Kids will be dismissed. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful, wonderful day where we celebrate the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We're so grateful because he rose, we also will rise. Because he rose, we have life, abundant life in Christ. And we're so grateful, Lord, for what you've done for us. Lord, we probably don't even appreciate it as much as we should. We don't want to take it for granted what you've done for us. We want to pause and we want to think and we want to dwell on the significance of what you've done. We praise you. We say hallelujah. We pray for Pastor Mark as he comes and opens a word for us today. We pray that your voice will speak through him and that you would use your word today to impact our hearts for eternity. Bless this time now in Jesus' name. Amen. Kingdom kids, you may go. Good. I was like, are they Baptists today? Are they going to, yeah, that's good. Uh, good morning, church. Uh, actually, there's, I mean, there's few things that I really enjoy more than uh, saying that Easter greeting and, and hearing the response from the church like that. Uh, because it's Easter. Uh, the great preacher Ray Steadman used to say, the resurrection is not only good news, it's the best news possible. Uh, and even though, you know, this seems to be one of those years where the weather, it feels more like Christmas than Easter. Uh, none of that changes the fact, uh, the truth that we celebrate today. Uh, it doesn't change the fact that the resurrection happened. It doesn't change the reality that Jesus is alive. And that's why we're here this morning. Remember to, we're here to remember that. We're here to celebrate that. And we're here to look at that truth and how it changes our lives. And to do that, we're going to go to Luke, uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. As we look at his account of the resurrection Beginning in verse 1, if you'd like to follow along as I read, it says, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, and as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day, rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Let's pray. Father God, we are so excited to be here. As we don't just talk about good news, we talk about the best news possible. The resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And Lord, I pray that as we do that, that through you and your Holy Spirit, you would just fill our hearts with joy. Uh, Fill our hearts to overflowing as we celebrate this truth, the truth that makes all the difference, that Jesus is alive and that he is with us and he has given to us eternal life. I pray that, Lord, you would just, even in our excitement, that there would be a stillness that allows your Holy Spirit to speak to us, that, that, Lord, as we hear this truth proclaimed, that we would be inspired, um, not just to hear it, but, Lord, to live this truth out every moment of our lives. Because, the Lord, truly you have risen, and you have risen indeed. Uh, and we welcome you to be with us as we look into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I found a story this week that I think really kind of illustrated well what I want to talk to you about when it comes to Easter. Uh, It's a woman named Cynthia Thomas. He tells a story about her brother. Uh, her, her, Her brother had just gotten married to his new wife, and on their wedding night, they were escorted to the bridal suite in this very elegant hotel in the wee hours of the morning, you know, after they had their wedding. And they were tired from, you know, meeting all the guests and the reception and all the speeches and the mingling that happens. They finally got to the room, and the bellhop left, and they took a look around at this room. They they took it all in. I mean, the sofa and beautiful chairs, and there was a table. But then they realized, where's the bed? I mean, this is the bridal suite, right? So they they looked a little bit, and they realized, well, the sofa is a -a hide-a-bed, you know, and complete with a lumpy mattress and the saggy springs. Uh, So they pulled out the hide-a-bed, they made the bed, and Cynthia and her brother and his new wife, you know, spent a very fitful night on the hide-a-bed, you know, both waking up with very sore backs. Well, the next morning, the husband went to the hotel desk, and he's just going to give them a piece of his mind, you know, a tongue-lashing for giving them such a terrible room for the bridal suite. And as he's explaining this to the front desk clerk, He simply said, sir, did you open the door? And they went back up to the room and they opened up this door that they thought was a closet. And there in the, past the door was the bedroom, this lavish bedroom complete with fruit baskets and chocolates and this big, you know, it it was gorgeous, fit for a bride and a groom on the best day of their lives. And I tell you that story for one reason, just to let you know that Easter is the day that God opened the door to us for something greater. For every one of us, Easter is a day of new possibilities. It's a day of new hope. It's a day of new life. And for the church, Easter, it's the most anticipated and exciting time of year. And I don't want you to miss out on that. You see, I want you to walk through that door to experience what is waiting for you. And really, that's why this is going to be just a one-point sermon this morning. And that point is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ makes a difference. And I don't want to make it much more complicated than that. Because it doesn't have to be that complicated. I mean, the truth of Easter can be summed up in three simple words. Jesus is alive. That's what Easter is about. Even as the angel said in our passage in Luke 24, verse 5, said, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. And that is is what is at the heart of our faith. That's the very core of what we as Christians believe in. That Jesus Christ, the sinless Son of God, he died on the cross. 
His body was placed in the tomb, and he was dead as dead can be. That's what Good Friday was all about, as Jesus laid down his life and paid the penalty for our sin on the cross. But then, on the third day, everything changes. Three days later, and nothing for Jesus' followers will ever be the same, because Jesus is alive. He's risen. And you know, when you hear those words, and I mean when you really hear them and truly understand what they mean, the truth about Easter, what Easter means, it changes everything. I mean, nothing else matters. Nothing even comes close. Nothing is as important to our lives and to our eternity as the moment when we realize and the, and the, the, the reality of Jesus' resurrection dawns in our lives. Nothing's as important as when we realize that truth. And we can't miss that. We can't miss out on that. Uh, We can't miss the point that Jesus is alive. Because you know what? Some people do. You know, there's always going to be some people who who are going to ask some kind of question along the lines of, well, why should we really make a fuss about Easter at all? I mean, what does it matter if Jesus actually rose from the dead or not? Why should we get, you know, overly excited about this event that is now something like almost 20 centuries old? Well, that's actually the very situation that the Apostle Paul was facing in the church in the city of Corinth. Because there were people in that church who were saying exactly the same thing. They were saying, showing up at the church and saying, you know what, it never happened. They were saying Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Saying that the resurrection, it's, it's just a story. I mean, it's a nice story that you can tell yourself, but it's not a true story. But Paul answers those people in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And he's basically playing devil's advocate as he, as he explores the thought of what if it wasn't true? What if Easter really was just a story? What if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead? And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 13, he says, but if there is no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. And those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. And I'm not sure if you've caught the magnitude of Paul's words there, of what he just wrote, but those are some really miserable words. Because Paul is saying, you know what, if the resurrection didn't happen, if Easter is just a fairy tale, then all of this preaching we do is useless. Our faith is futile. Sin still controls us. Christ is still dead. And we are people without any kind of real or lasting hope for this world or the next. And we're just deceiving ourselves. And at worst, we're actually deceiving others. We're lying to them about what God did. If the resurrection never happened, all of this church stuff that we do every week, it's pointless. And we're no better than any other person who faces each day without any kind of hope. Without Jesus in the empty tomb, none of it makes any real difference. Not really, not in the end, because in the end, if Jesus has not been raised, we just all end up the same. 
It's just worms and dirt. So like I said, Paul writes some really miserable words here. But, and this is a very important but, but Paul doesn't stop there. As he goes on to verse 20 of 1 Corinthians 15 to say, but, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Christ's resurrection is real. And because of that, it changes everything. Paul's saying, all that stuff I said about life without Christ. Well, you could just forget about it. Because the fact is, Jesus is alive. And if Jesus is alive, then so is our faith. And so is our hope. I love what Pastor Charles Swindoll writes. Saying, Easter and hope are synonymous. That special day never arise without its refreshing reminder that there is life beyond this one. True life, eternal life, glorious life. He says, I think of all those who are battling the dreaded disease of cancer. They fight the battle, endure horrible reactions to chemotherapy, and anxiously await results of their next checkup. And then there are those who still grieve over the loss of a mate, a child, a parent, or a friend. Death has come like a ruthless, ruthless thief, snatching away the treasured presence, presence, leaving only memories. He asks, what's missing? He answers, hope. And there's nothing like Easter to bring hope back to life. When we have hope, our illnesses don't seem so final. Our fears fade and lose their grip. Our grief over those who have gone on is diminished. Our desire to press on in spite of the obstacles is rejuvenated. And our identity as Christians is strengthened as we stand with the saints down through the centuries who have always answered back, he is risen indeed. You know, for a lot of people, Easter is just another long weekend. A long, long weekend if you get Monday off. For others, it's about final exams or or studying or finishing term papers. For others, it's about, you know, the chocolate bunnies and Easter egg hunts. One clever kid said Easter means eating egg salad sandwiches for the next two weeks. Probably not wrong. But for us as believers, Easter is everything. And I say this every year, but I love the words that tell us again that the resurrection of Jesus matters. Because the resurrection means that Jesus was who he claimed to be. The resurrection means that Jesus had the power he claimed to have. The resurrection means that Jesus did what he promised to do. The resurrection means that my past can be forgiven. The resurrection means that my present problems can be managed. The resurrection means that my future is secure. The resurrection means that in Christ, death is no longer a dead end. The first sermon ever preached by the disciples was preached by Peter. And it was about the resurrection. In every place that Paul preached, he preached the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In every book in the New Testament, the resurrection is the key to the claims held within. There are over 300 verses concerned with the subject of Jesus' resurrection in the New Testament alone. Because the Bible goes to great lengths to tell us again and again that it happened. And that Jesus is alive. And that the Lord has risen. And that's what it's all about. And you know... That truth, it makes a difference no matter where you find yourself this morning. Even as Luke writes in uh, Luke 24, he says on the verse 1, But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. 
Now, Luke tells us this very first Easter, these women weren't on their way to, you know, a church service. They weren't looking forward to a nice Easter brunch. They were on their way to the tomb to prepare the body of their beloved friend for burial. These women weren't excited about what the future held for them. They were, they were people who were afraid of what tomorrow will hold. They were defeated. They were depressed. They were discouraged. And they probably couldn't understand how things went so wrong so fast. You know, it's one of those moments that come along in each and every one of our lives where you just, you just look around at all that's happening and you wonder, how, how do I go on from here? And moments like that come for all of us. I mean, I know for my family personally, coming this week, it's a five-year anniversary of Kathy's passing. That's hard. And you may be facing something like that too. In fact, I know some of you are. And it can happen when you lose your job and, you know, you don't know where the money's going to come from and the bills start piling up. It happens when a relationship that you thought was the foundation of your life just falls apart. It can happen when your kids make bad decisions and they have to face harder consequences. It happens that moment that the doctor gives you that bad news from all of those tests you had to go through. You hear those words you never wanted to hear. And it can happen when you just feel lost, when you feel alone, and you just, you just want some answers that could make sense of it all, but it just feels like the bottom has just fallen out from under your life. That's how the followers of Jesus were feeling in the moments in that darkness before the dawn. But then something completely unexpected happens. Something that none of Jesus' followers really saw coming, even though he told them. Because into this moment when his followers had nothing but questions, God was about to provide an answer that meant everything. As our passage continues in Luke 24, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, and they were frightened. They bound their faces to the ground, and the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day, rise. And they remembered his words. And with that news, and in hearing that news, that truth, it changes everything. The resurrection, the news of the resurrection, it turns these women who are on their way to mourn the loss of their beloved friend into women who have the message of joy that they can't wait to share. It turns the disciples who were, you know, hiding away, you know, feeling fearful, wondering if armed soldiers are going to come for them next, it turns them into the apostles of Jesus Christ who are boldly proclaiming the gospel. And when you read your Bibles, you realize very quickly that no one who meets the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ is ever the same again. And even today, one encounter with the risen Lord Jesus Christ and a person is never the same again. That's why I love to hear testimonies. You know, as people share what Christ has done for them. Even today, you can still hear about the power of the resurrection at work in a person's life. As one believer after another stands up to tell others how Jesus has changed. 
their life. And it's powerful and it's at times even miraculous. And you know, we could stop the service right now and we could just pass a microphone up and down the pews. And each person could just share a little bit about their own story, about how Jesus has changed their life, about how Jesus has given them strength, about how Jesus has brought healing into a wounded part of their soul, about how Jesus has given them hope. In fact, I love that thought that your life, your relationship with Jesus is now some of the greatest proof to the world around us that the resurrection is real. You are the one who now carries the testimony that Jesus is alive because he's living in you and he's making a difference. Just as we read in 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. That's a promise that God makes to his people. But it's also a promise you have to take hold of. Again, just like those newlyweds in that hotel room, the promise is available to you, but you have to be willing to open the door and walk through in order to experience it. In fact, that's why God rolled the stone away from the tomb. You know, the stone wasn't rolled away to let Jesus out. The resurrected Jesus didn't have to wait for the door to be open. No, the stone was rolled away to let people in so that they could see the truth of what happened firsthand and let that truth change their lives. The stone was rolled away so we could enter in, so that Christ's victory could become our victory, so that his strength can now become our strength, so that his hope would now be our hope, and so that we could live lives that reflect that truth that Jesus is alive. In fact, one of the things I've really sort of appreciated so much about the series we're looking at in the book of 1 John is how when John speaks about eternal life, He's not speaking about eternal life as something that's just going to happen one day after you die. Eternal life to John is not something that's only off in the future, a far off hope. For John and for the rest of the Bible, eternal life in Christ is now. The moment we believe we enter into that relationship with Christ and there's no waiting for it. That life is available to us now. Through Christ. And when you read your Bibles, it doesn't take you long to realize that when the Bible speaks about Jesus, it says many things, but one thing that comes through loud and clear is that Jesus is life. Just a few verses, John eleven twenty five. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. John five twenty one. just as the Father raises the dead and gives life, so the Son gives life to those to whom he is pleased to give it. Romans 6, 8. Now if we died with Christ, we believe we also live with him. John 6, 40, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. John 6, 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And even the words of Peter, 1 Peter 1, 3, he says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The Bible tells us Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the resurrection and the life. He's the living door and the resurrection. He's the bread of life, the water of life. He's the light of the world and the light of life. And Jesus, in his own words in John 10, 10, says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The King James Version calls it life abundant. 
The New Living Translation says a rich and satisfying life. And the message paraphrase says Jesus came so they could have real and eternal life, more and better life than they have ever dreamed of. You see, life in Christ is what real living and real life is all about. It is eternal life. Live now because the resurrection Jesus is by our side. And I want you to take hold of it. Because, you know, it's been said, I think, often too truly. It's been said that too many Christians live on the right side of Good Friday, but the wrong side of Easter. You know, too many Christians hear that, that, that news that Jesus died for their sins. And that, you know, they, they'll get to go to heaven one day when they die. And they believe that, but then they stop. Because they just wait for one day to happen. They never get that message that eternal life actually starts now because Jesus is risen. So let me give you one final encouragement. Just to live it out. Let every part of your life reflect the reality that Jesus is alive. Because there comes a time in our lives when every one of us has to make the truth of Easter personal. And as a pastor, I've often say, you know, I always try to be an encourager. I don't want to come off as pushy. I don't want to guilt people into making any kind of decision. I don't want to beat people up about the way they're living their life. But what I do want is I want people to have God's best in their life. And I'm convinced that God's best for every one of our lives is found in Jesus Christ. And you know, even as you sit here in church, as you listen online, you know, you may look like everyone else, you may talk like anyone else, you may have attended this church or another church for years, but none of that, just doing that stuff, is really a solid foundation for living your life. It's in that relationship with Jesus. And today, I want to give you an opportunity to be certain. Certain about where you spend eternity and certain about the eternal life in Christ that can be yours today. You know, the Bible tells us to repent and believe. It keeps it real simple. Believe that Jesus was the Son of God. Believe that he died on the cross for your sins. Believe that he rose from the dead. And believe that as our living Lord, he offers us eternal life. Even today. Because God wants us to know that there is a God in heaven who loves us so much he sent Jesus to the cross to die for our sins. He wants us to know that he's offering you grace and mercy and his salvation. Today, Jesus wants you to know that he wants to come into your life to offer you the life and offer you the hope that the resurrection offers you. And if you want, you can say a simple prayer. Just confess that you're a sinner. Admit that your life has been full of pain and failure and rebellion and Take those burdens to Christ and ask that he'll forgive you your sins and come into your life as Lord and Savior, and he'll do that. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a promise we can claim. And then we can just start living out that eternal life that we find in Christ Jesus. Because that kind of life, that life of victory, that life of transformation, that forgiveness of sin, that hope for eternity, that joy, that peace, that purity, that grace, that assurance, it's for you. And it's for you right now. Because the stone was rolled away so that we could enter in. Because the resurrection makes all the difference. I'm just going to close with a, a story I found about a boy named Philip. 
Now, Philip was born with Down syndrome. He was a pleasant child, happy at scene, but increasingly as he grew up, he was aware of the differences between himself and the other children. And Philip went to Sunday school very faithfully every week. He was in the third, day, third grade class with nine other eight-year-olds. And they learned and they laughed and they played together. But Philip, with his differences, was not readily accepted. I mean, Philip didn't choose to be different, nor did he want to be different. He just was. And it's the way things were. But the teacher of that class was very sensitive to Philip. And he, he tried his best to help this group of eight-year-olds to love each other, you know, under the circumstances. But then one day, the teacher had a marvelous idea for his class the Sunday after Easter. And he got a bunch of big egg-shaped containers. You know those things pantyhose used to come in? And the teacher collected 10 of them. And the children loved it when he brought them into the room and he gave one to each of the children. And it was a beautiful spring day and the assignment was for each child to go outside and find a symbol for new life and put it inside the egg and bring it back to the classroom. Then they would open up and they would share all of their new life symbols and surprises with each other one by one. And it was as glorious and as confusing and as wild as a typical grade three class could be. They all ran around the grounds gathering symbols and then finally returned to the classroom, and they all put their eggs on the table, and the teacher began to open them. And all the children gathered around, and, you know, as he opened one, there was a flower, and they all oohed and awed, and he opened another, and there was a little butterfly, and beautiful, all the girls said, and not the boys, because boys apparently have a hard time saying beautiful. Um, He opened another one, and there was a rock, and a third grader, Will, some laughed, and the boy said, that's crazy, how's a rock supposed to be new life? And Smart little boy said, well, that's mine, and I knew all of you would get flowers and butterflies and stuff, so I got a rock because I wanted to be different. And for me, that's what new life is all about, and they all laughed. The teacher said something about the wisdom of eight-year-old boys, and he opened the next one. And inside the next one, there was nothing. And the children, as eight-year-olds will, said, that's not fair, that's stupid. Someone didn't do it right. But then the teacher felt a tug on his shirt and he looked down and it was Philip. He said, it's mine. It's mine. And the children said, oh, you don't ever do anything right, Philip. There's nothing there. And he said, I did so do it right. I did it right. It's empty because the tomb is empty. And there was a silence. It was a very full silence. And for you people who don't believe in miracles, he says, I want to tell you that one happened that day. From that time on, it was different. Philip suddenly became part of that group of eight-year-old children. They took him in, and he was set free from the tomb of his differences. Sadly, the very next summer, Philip passed away. His family had known since the time he was born that he wouldn't live out a full lifespan. There were many other things wrong with his little body, so late last July, with an infection that most normal children would have quickly shoved off, Philip died. At his memorial service, nine eight-year-olds marched up to the altar, not with flowers to cover over the stark reality of death, but nine eight-year-olds, along with their Sunday school teacher, marched right up to that altar and laid on it an empty egg. 
an empty old discarded Panio's Hague to remind them that the tomb is still empty. What a privilege to be able to celebrate Easter. To celebrate that the tomb is empty. To celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and celebrate the fact that the Lord is risen. Because the angel spoke the truth. He is not here. He is risen just as he said. And could there be anything, any words spoken, any news more exciting than that? Never forget that truth. Never stop hoping in it. Never stop living it. Never let yourself forget that the Lord is risen. Because the resurrection of Jesus not only changed the world, it changes us. Let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful for for the glorious miracle of Easter. That the Lord has risen just as he said. And that because he is alive, we have life, we have hope, we have peace, we have joy. Our lives have meaning and purpose. And we experience that eternal life that is ours in Jesus Christ. It's not something that we have to wait for. It is ours right now. As eternal life begins today, as we get to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus. And Lord, Easter is not just something that happened one day 2,000 years ago. And it's not something that's just one day on our calendars every year. But I pray that, Lord, Easter would be something that is a reality in our lives every single day of our lives. Because what a difference that resurrection makes. And Lord, if there's someone here right now who doesn't have that, I pray that, Lord, they would repent and believe and that they would make it their own even today. And Lord, for those of us who are here and we do know it, I pray that we would live it out. Lord, even in those hard times that come in our life, even in those times when we face such difficult circumstances, things we never expected, even in those dark times that will still come our way in life, I pray that the light of Easter would shine all the brighter because our hope never disappoints us. And Lord, as we go from here, Lord, many of us are off to Easter dinners and we have plans and preparations to make. And Lord, There's going to be distractions and all that, but I pray, Lord, that in the midst of not just today, but every day, that we would never forget. We would set our hearts upon the truth that the Lord is risen and he is risen indeed. Resurrection makes a difference. And Lord, we thank you for that truth and ask that you would help us to live it out every moment of our life. In Jesus' name, amen.